Campfire with Robin Arab and Melissa Burton. In this week's episode, Robin and I are going to give you tips, insider tips, on how to evaluate facilities when you're ready to pick one out for your loved one. I'm going to give you my fish tank model of how to evaluate, yes I hope that's intriguing, and also on what to look for. I'd also like to tell you a little show note here. At one point in our conversation, Robin and I are talking about caregivers in the facility, and we do not make it clear that what we're talking about is additional caregivers that you pay for to come in. I don't want to make it sound like when you're in a facility getting care that you need to pay for the caregiver support. Obviously, that is included, and if we were a little confusing on that, I want to make that clear now. We're talking about additional support if you want to bring in caregivers over and above what you already get in caregiving. So, hope that little teaser makes you want to jump into this episode that much more, so stay tuned. Are you stressed, burned out, and looking for answers as you care for an aging parent? If you are, this podcast is for you. Here you will receive actionable advice from seasoned professionals, validation and compassion for the incredibly tough job you are doing, and most importantly, supportive love from a community of like-minded warriors. You're not alone. Join this powerful community as we support you on your complicated journey and help you transform into an empowered and calmer caregiver. All right, welcome back. It's Robin and Melissa here to do a continuation of our conversation from our last week's episode when we talked about the cost related to the different aspects of care. Today, we're going to be talking about how to evaluate care in a facility setting. So we have both, we both have experiences. I've worked in a facility setting and we've both have worked with lots of clients who have moved into facilities. So we kind of have an inside scoop. So Robin, tell us a little bit more, remind us what your experiences with facilities, how you, what is your inside scoop? I honestly have to say a lot of my experiences by word of mouth, talking to the people that have actually been in those facilities. Of course, you can talk to the folks that work there. You can talk to the folks who used to work there. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. But a lot of mine come from clients coming back and saying, I like this facility because of XYZ or I didn't. So I, I get a lot of that. And also just visiting yourself, going in and as the facilities pop up, you go in and of course they're beautiful and they're new and you think, oh, I just want to be here. And then it's sort of um, drilling down to what is really going on there. And I think we've said before, a lot of times they're only as good as their employees. Right. So it can change very quickly, which I think we'll definitely get into. And of course you have that personal experience of picking a place out, vetting it, and then seeing what you saw in the wrapper, right? You saw on the sales brochure and then how it worked out for your own mom. So we'll kind of, we'll uh, dive into that too, because I'm sure there are things that you thought were a real good selling point in the beginning that you were like, huh, this wasn't nearly as important as XYZ that ended up being really important for your mom. Well, and I think that we forget that these people are salesmen mm-hmm. and they make their living and I, I'm not criticizing at all. They make their living on how many apartments or rooms or how, whatever they sell monthly. So 
their goal is to sell. I'm not saying that they're being dishonest, but that is their bottom line. So you have to take the two different aspects apart and look at it objectively. Yep, definitely. So the fish tank test, the idea came from, I wrote, I wrote a, 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 in my previous career um, in role, I wrote a blog called the fish tank test. So I love the concept. Now, in actuality, does it play out accurately every time? I'm not so sure. It's, it's not scientific. So let's just put it that way. But one thing that I noticed as I would visit facilities, so not only helping people tour and pick a facility, but then visit my clients in facilities over and over and over again, that it was the attention to little details that caught my eye that I felt like could be an indicator of how well they treated my clients. And one of the things that really got on my nerves was the fish tanks. A lot of these places, they do have fish tanks and some are not cared for as well as others. And you would go into a place and you would see a fish tank that was covered in algae. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. If you don't take care of the fish, are you really taking care of every need of my client? And so I was so frustrated. There was one day I walked into a facility and right in the lobby was actually a very beautiful fish tank. It wasn't like huge and like crazy expensive. And this wasn't a fancy place at all, but just a nice kind of fish tank that you would see maybe in a home, beautiful fish. And then in the little corner, it had this little uh, sign and it said, if you see a fish in distress, please call. And it had a like a 911 for the fish number there. (laughs) And obviously companies do come in and maintain these fish tanks in in some of these places, which is great. Again, it's attention to detail. It's saying that this kind of life and enjoyment is valuable in our facility, but we also care about the well-being of the fish. And in that facility in particular, they had a resident that would come up and feed the fish. It was, um, it was not a memory care where the fish were. So it was not somebody with memory deficits feeding the fish. <laughs> <laughs> but then there was another place and I thought I had, I mean, I knew that they were excellent and they had had a fish tank donated to them and they put it right outside the nurse's station. Well, and they also had a company that helped manage the fish. And they just, they had an issue with algae, but they were not taking care of it. I guess they were like, well, this was donated. This company's supposed to be managing it. And it drove me nuts that literally it was almost like a green tank covered in algae. And you'd be like, are there fish? Is that a dead fish floating in there? And it bugged me to no end because it was right next to the nurse's station. I'm like, for the love of Pete, people look at optics here. I mean, take care of these fish. So that frustrated me. It was still an excellent facility. And so that's why I couldn't quite equate it. It bothered me enough that I would go to like the social worker and be like, can you please do something about the fish? (laughs) And it wasn't so much that I cared more about the fish than my client. That's not it at all. But I was saying like, look, these two are incongruent. If you're giving excellent care to my client, but you're ignoring this stinking fish tank that's right outside the nurse's station it's incongruent well the flip side is maybe they're so busy taking care of your client they can't take care of the fish I guess And, and what for this place in particular it was like I said it was a donation 
And I think they were, they probably were like, oh, thanks for the donation, but we don't have, we don't want to take care of one more thing. So they were (laughs) expecting and relying on this organization, this company to come and manage. I'm sure they got it all squared away, but um, it it, it dragged on for a while. So again, my theory about the fish tank, um, don't use that as the true marker, not scientifically proven. However, the point of the fish tank test is pay attention to details. And it's the small details that speak very loudly. So (laughs) I do think it was, it was something to notice and it was something that needed to be fixed. And if it had never been fixed and that fish tank sat out there in front of that um, nurse's station, like for a year, then, then I really would have been questioning, are they paying attention to the small details of my loved one? So with well, that aside, <laughs> what would you say are the issues you look at? Well, that's very telling because it's just like the whole you walk in and it's beautiful and maybe the fish are alive and maybe they're not. And there's a reason for both. I'm not sure, but it is, it's confusing. I think the first thing people go for is the smell. If they walk in and there's a horrible smell, they immediately are turned off. And I understand that I'm, I'm huge. That's, that's a big deal for me as well is smells, but there is one facility that I know that does not smell good when you come in, but it is one of the, best facilities for care because it's smaller and they take care of their folks. And I think it's just, it's an older building and that's, that's what it is. What does it smell like? Cause I always heard, especially not in assisted living smells, I would say you, you want to be more aware of the smells being an issue versus like skilled nursing, like literally skilled nursing, you are going to run into some smells, but they would always say, Hey, look, if you're touring, make sure you go back by there like an hour later and see if the smell is still there. It's how, how long does the smell continue on? If it's, if somebody had an accident or something's going on, you just want to make sure they're getting to it and cleaning it up in a timely manner. But what kind of smells are are you talking about? Because like just like musty old building smell? No, or? I'm talking urine. And and this sounds terrible. And how do you describe this? But sick smell? Yeah. That that there are people in there that you're taking care of. And it I I don't want to say dirty smell, not dirty as far as the building. Sometimes you go in and you have that pine saw that hits you in the face when you come in and then that mixed with a urine or or something to that effect. It's just that unpleasant smell. So that I think is the biggest thing. The next thing is people will go in and they'll look to see if the furnishing is beautiful, if this is aesthetically pleasing. And there are some that are absolutely over the top gorgeous. And, you know, first thought I think is, wow, what am I going to pay for this? Mm-hmm. So it's those those type things. But the one thing I think is interesting as you look, we, my aunt was in what we call a CCRC, which is mm-hmm. continuing, continuing, continuing care, retirement community. community. So she started out in independent and went, ended up into um, the second level of assisted living, I think, but it was beautiful. It was absolutely 
lovely. And one of the things as she aged when she was in the assisted living, that was a huge complaint. And something you need to think about is that she had to dress for breakfast and she had to dress for lunch. And I, when I'm saying dress, I'm not just saying throw your clothes on. Like saying, Sunday afternoon yes, brunch. I'm saying, you know, the jewelry. And I remember we'd have to take her shopping to get clothes that she would go out and she would get <laughs> frustrated because she didn't feel like doing all that. And then once she did the step up of the assisted living, they were allowed to come to breakfast in their um, robes. So she thought that was just top notch. But (laughs) even though it looks great, it might be some expectations in there. I know they had to, had to, it was a requirement of the facility that the women got perms every so often. I mean, it was written in their contract. Yes. So (laughs) You know, it's those type things you have to pay attention to as well. Um, when was this, Robin? Like 1965, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was probably in the 70s. Okay. 70s and 80s. I'm wondering if like there's more freedom, a little bit more freedom of choice in facilities these days. I don't know. I don't know. I know they still probably take some money out for the hairdresser. I don't know that you have to get a yeah. perm, but <laughs> you have to get your hair cut. You have to be um, groomed. So, you know, I, I think you take some of that into consideration as well. Is is that going to be a burden because it's a little bit more advanced? Well, in the what I've often heard, there's a there's actually a, a newer facility near me that's absolutely gorgeous. And what I've heard is a mixed review from from people. What usually happens is that the family, younger adults, so us, you know, the 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 adult child caregiving goes in and is stunned and and loves it and falls in love and it feels spa-like in like a hotel and then the adult feels it's not cozy or not homey enough and so they like the maybe older more dated decor um the rich mahoganies and and uh, just a traditional feel that is much different than what their children like. And so there's often this, who is the aesthetic driven for, right? Or, or presented to. Um, now I do have that facility is, is like what you described where it's very nice. The meals, they do phenomenal meals. So that's another thing to pick out. Eat a meal. That would yes. be definitely one thing to go do. Eat a meal in the facility. They they offer it all the time. Do a tour around a meal time. A lunch time is a big one. Go in, have lunch, enjoy yourself. Stay there as long as possible. Notice the people around you. But the meals are usually a deciding factor. Hundred percent. <laughs> yeah, the size of the and this is more assisted living level versus mm-hmm. like skilled living. Um, but the size of the rooms are something to really take into consideration. Most of the t- some places they have really tiny apartments, but the whole concept was, well, you're not going to be spending any time in your apartment. So it doesn't need to be that large. And then hello, COVID. So make sure you're comfortable in your apartment. There was something that you brought up about the well, the coziness, just that I know a lot of adults, the older adults that really love the communities that were not as brand spanking new, you know, not as flashy and and polished. Well, and I think, and you may find this true, I find that a lot of my clients, the ones who have truly saved and have the money to afford any type of assisted living, because they've just been 
very good stewards of their money are some of the, so to speak, country folk that are used to the simple life. And that's why they have their money, because they didn't spend it on things and and, um, material type things or their children, whatever. And so you take somebody who's used to living in the country very simply and move them into one of these very prestigious type of homes, they're not going kind of like to be a comfortable. country club. Assisted right. Living. right. Right. That's right. not something they're comfortable with. So you have to take that into consideration as well. And I do think that some of these places are very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not prestigious, but um, pretentious. Yes. That's the word I'm looking for. Pretentious. So it is uncomfortable So that has to be taken into consideration because just because you're saying, mom, it's beautiful. Look at this. Look at that. They may not be comfortable. Which brings me to an amazing point, Robin, is that the culture there, if it's a really fancy place and it is appealing to a certain demographic, you may, it, it may not be that your loved one feels comfortable in that click. I mean, it's like high school all over again in these lunchrooms and in these communities or college because it's, it's like the truth. Life. And if there's a lot of people, so Franklin is definitely a more conservative environment. And I, and, and also Franklin is huge for retirees and for people coming and relocating here for business and, and stuff. So what happens is that you have a little bit of a clash of cultures because you have a lot of very Southern people with their more traditional values and their very outgoing demeanors meeting Northerners that have come down here to come to these facilities because they're here because their children are here. And the two may not click. And what happens is, I mean, we're not talking about, you know, it's, it's like, confrontational, but it is some where somebody may not ever really fit in. And so they isolate to their apartment more, even though the family's living in Franklin, maybe the loved one might want to go to a facility in Nashville where the demographic is a little bit different. So look at the culture of the residents and maybe ask in the sales. Now, again, like you were saying, Robin, they're going to be kind of selling you something a little bit, but if they can, if you can say, what's the vibe, you know, is it Southern hospitality and deep rooted Christian values? And there's nothing wrong with any vibe. It's just, is that the right vibe for your loved one? Right. And I remember Carlisle, where we grew up is is small. So we didn't have a lot of options. We, my mom and I picked two. And the one that I really thought she would go to because she had some friends is not the one she chose. But interestingly enough, when we toured that facility, and I probably at that point would have picked that facility because that's what I would have wanted, that the lady who took us through to show us would hold my mom's hand. And my mom is not a, she's not a, she was not a touchy feely, huggy person. And the first thing she said to me when we walked out was that felt really funny. I've never held hands with a girl before. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And to me, when I look back on that, after my mom said it, I thought, yeah, that was a little condescending. My mother was not fragile or feeble at all that needed to have her hand held. So I did think that was a little over the top. And when we went to the next place, it was just as nice. It was very beautiful. 
And it was businesslike. And they treated my mom like an adult. They did not treat her as this little old lady. And that's the one she picked. And it was nice. And as you said, there's things you had to look at. The The food is huge. Now, my mom was not a food person, but I, that's the one thing I hear so, so many times is the food is horrible mm-hmm. or the care, the nurses mean, those type things. So those are more prominent. But again, as we've said many times on everything that we've talked about is you've got to meet them where they are and it has to be their choice, not yours. Right. Yes, definitely. So one of the things I think um, we've, we've talked about matching personalities. We've talked about the, the style for your parent versus the style for you. One of the things that I think people would love is if we dive into the insider tips about how to critique if it's good quality or not, what we see as good quality. And you already alluded to it. Word of mouth is, is huge. So asking people for their opinions uh, if you're in support groups, that's a great place to start. And, and remember that everybody's experience is different. And so there are some people that could have very different experiences in the same place. For example, somebody who loves one facility because of the activities and it's a great fit for them. They have an amazing experience. Another person has more medical issues there and the nursing experience is is a much worse experience for them. So it's like, okay, well, if your loved one is more interested in going somewhere with social engagement and activities and they don't have a lot of nursing needs, maybe it's still a good choice for them. So you have to measure it according to what, if it actually fits. But the number, not number one, but one tip I would give is to talk to the caregivers, not the nurses. The nurses are good too. I would say nurses are kind of like middle management, but the, the bottom level caregivers are one, the most hands-on. And when I say bottom level, I do not mean like not valuable. I'm saying they're the, the hardest working people probably in that building. They're the ones cleaning the rooms. They're the ones bathing and dressing. So noticing their attitudes, are they friendly? Will they talk to you? Do they seem like stressed out? Will, how long have they been there in that facility? Longevity is huge because there are places popping up all the all over the place. So if it's a brand new facility, obviously they're not going to have longevity. But people, if they're not happy, are going to move to place to place to place. If they're happy, they're going to stay put. So how long, what's the longevity of people working there? Well, and they're the ones that probably have the most intimate relationship with the people there because they are in their, their apartments and they may, they get to learn the habits of the people that they like their coffee cup here, or they want to bathe this way or that way. So they are the people to connect to and to talk to and to see what the real life is. And, and I think they're pretty willing to tell you more honestly, what's going on because they're frustrated and they are hardworking. Well, how do you get them? And I mean, obviously on a tour, when you have the salesperson there, they're not going to say, how do you get them away? How do you talk to them? On the elevator. <laughs> Just camp out on the elevator. That's right. And wait till, so what do you think of this place? Well, I, and I, I'm saying that tongue in cheek, but a little bit sincerely that a lot of times when you are on an elevator 
these texts are riding up and down. They're going here and there, or even in the cafeteria, in the, mm, the eating yes. area. That's where to get them aside because they would come and they knew my mom and they knew what she wanted and they would, I would talk to them and they were point blank. Now I was fortunate in that I had connected with, she was actually, I think an activities director type person. She just sort of managed the whole group and she and I became very close. So she, we had a good relationship of, I would find out from her what was truly going on. And these people are not trying to sell you. So you're getting to the bottom line of it all. So it is, it's very smart to talk to these people. I think one of the things in in agreement with talking about the staff, you need to find out who's on staff. You need to find out who your medical director is there. You need to find out how often he's coming in and is he taking appointments? Is there the podiatrist coming in? Different things, those type questions you need to ask. Big thing is, is there an RN on staff? Versus, you're meaning a registered nurse registered versus nurses, like a LPN, license, right? Is RN is the highest level, right? So typically, what they will tell you is that yes, there is an RN on staff, and she works eight to five, mm-hmm. and then through the night, your licensed nurses take over. But the next question is, do they have access to an RN overnight? So typically, there should be an RN on call that they can reach out to if they're not quite certain. And that's just, and that's not saying any critiquing the LPNs. It's just that they're talking to somebody with a bit more experience just to get a second opinion and move on. And in in addition to that, their hands are tied. There's only so much as far as unilateral decision-making they can make. And in a crisis, you want somebody who can make decisions quickly and not have to go through the chain of command. Right. Right. So I do think I, I what one thing I'm seeing now, Melissa, and you may or may not, is that the medical directors are now sending in either a nurse practitioner or their PA. Mm-hmm. So even though they're still able to make the decisions, you want to be able to know that you have access to that medical director if you need to. Find out how open they are to outside people coming in. Some places are so tight. They're like, you're using our caregivers if you need caregivers. You're using our medical director. It's it's all in-house. And that that just, it's too closed off to me. I, I like the facilities that are open saying, we offer you all of this benefit, additional benefit right here in-house. And we're proud of our services, but you have choice and we honor and respect your choice to bring in whoever you want. There was one facility, it frustrated me that you had to use their caregivers and and they were charging a premium for their caregivers. And I was like, it just rubbed me the wrong way. You know, it's like, okay, you don't offer them any choice and you're overcharging them for a caregiver. And, And their caregivers actually were pretty great. I had no complaint about the caregiver, but it bo- it bothered me that there was not a lot of choice. It, what would have felt better is if they said, this is our preferred route. We would hope you would use it. They are a lot of our employees, so they know the clients. We would have gone with them. We may have even pl- paid a premium, but it would have been nice to have choice and also for their prices to be more competitive. But I digress. Well, and and to that point, it throws up a red flag. Why don't they want insiders coming in? Mm -hmm. Outsiders, you mean? uh, Outsiders, yeah. The outsiders. (laughs) They want the insiders out and the outsiders in. But um, (laughs) 
why don't they want that? Mm-hmm. And, and and some of it is, I do understand some of it's management. I remember when we would do that, it would be our caregivers versus their caregivers. And they, they had a conflict and they were always arguing. So, you know, it's not my job type thing. So that it does eliminate that. But as you said, I agree. I think you should have the option. And, and right, it probably because makes if better- it's a if it's a better option, you're going to go with their option. Right. And I was going to say it makes better sense to use their caregivers than to bring somebody out and pay for them separately because that's a lot of times they'll charge you. If you do want to bring somebody in from the outside, they'll charge you a certain fee to do right. that because they have to vet them. So um, the the other, as far as longevity goes, definitely find out about management. If management turns over a lot, that's, oh gosh, I mean, and it happens, it happens a lot. This is, it's, it's an epidemic kind of in the industry, but that's not good either because if you have leadership that's not consistent, it's going to impact morale and everybody underneath them. If you can't get used to somebody, then they're gone before you know it. That That's a big indicator. So the longevity of management is huge. So what do you think, Melissa, about the national chains, the facilities that are owned and they have them all over the United States versus those that are local, not necessarily, well, locally owned and run? You know, I wouldn't, I don't really have an opinion on that. I would say it really still is about how each one is operated. Mm -hmm. So for example, I mean, I worked for a national organization. And what was nice about that is that there was consistency. There were some things that were very consistent from place to place to place. So what was strong was strong across the board. You can appreciate their reputation for that. Um, and, And I mean, but they have their downsides too. I get where people might think that that's a decision like, oh, well, that may make may make all the difference. I heard one at one point go for the nonprofits because they're putting all the money back in. They're not all about making money for their shareholders. And, but I don't know that that is really my focus or I've noticed that as much. I couldn't go in and say, Oh, well, this is working because they're a nationally owned or locally owned company. That just doesn't strike me as a big decision factor in how I evaluate places. So I was just thinking, I want to go back a minute to you had talked about the size of the room. And I have a friend who they're moving her mother-in-law in to a facility, an assisted living. And this, interestingly enough, this room was actually her aunt's room when she lived there. So she knew, and, and she is a perfectionist, and she knew exactly what would fit and why you couldn't put this chair here or whatever. So as they're preparing for the mother-in-law, and she's trying to stay out of it because the siblings can do it. They're saying we're bringing this piece and this piece and this piece. And finally, she just said, let me show you the floor plan. That's not going to work. So some of that is being aware that you don't want to take all these things and then right. take don't them back cram out. it right. in. Yeah. Make it You're going to have to pare down. And we're, we're talking about safety. You know, if you have all this furniture going around there and you can't get through, that's an issue. But also uh, one of the things that she mentioned the bathtub. So my mom always took baths and did not take showers. Well, in these facilities, most likely they're not, there was not going to be a bathtub 
in your room. It will be a walk-in shower or something to that effect. So that's something to think about where she did end up on the assisted living. They had bathtubs, two or three per floor. Kind of like a spa room. Right. That you could go in and use that rather than the shower. So that might be something to consider as well. And especially we've talked before about if there's dementia Mm -hmm. and they don't like the water coming down over their heads, Mm -hmm. make sure that there's the handheld and and things, other alternatives that they can use that are not as scary. Absolutely. Yep. Lots of features. Make sure to really make that it, Make sure to ask the questions so that the features are personalized to what your loved one's needs are. So I'm going to do one last tip, if that's okay with you, Melissa. Well, I have one last tip too. Oh. Okay, I'm going first. Okay. So, <laughs> so my last tip is that when you are there with the marketing folks and they're talking to you, and I'm finding this out with COVID, they're making all kinds of deals all kinds of choices and you can, we'll get you in for this price and we'll prorate it for this. And they're going on and they're telling you what a great deal and where you walked in and you say, I cannot afford this top line. Well, they will it down and make it look like you can afford it, which is great. Two things. One, when you're looking at that, you need to ask, are the services bundled? Because if they say no, so they might charge you and I'm going to use a thousand dollars. They'll charge you $1,000. Now you say, well, mom doesn't need help with her medicines or her bath. Well, six months she's in there. She's had a fall. She does need it. Boom. You've got maybe two two more services that are now $500 apiece. So now you're up to $2,000. Now she needs her laundry done. You're up to $2,500. And it keeps adding up. So even though you may not need the services in the beginning, I always like to advise people to take the whole package because then there's no surprises. And certainly if they're offering you great incentives to move in, that's terrific. But remember that at the end of that 12 months, you're going to pop up to a higher Mm -hmm. fee. So think about those things as you're negotiating. And the other thing I would say is a lot of times they have a move-in fee. Negotiate that move-in fee. I like to say that's their gravy. That's just a little something extra they get on top for somebody moving in. Ask them to cut it in half. Ask them to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. And it's typically, I think, 1500 to $2,000 for somebody to move in. So talk about that. And don't be afraid to ask and negotiate. If they say no and you decide you still want to move in, you're fine. But at least you've asked. Yeah, great tips. My last pinnacle at the top tip for me is evaluate if you can build trust and relationships with these people. If they rub you the wrong way or like your mom with that one woman, she didn't click. Now that person may not have been on the hand in the hands. What am I trying to say? Hands on day to day care. Yes. That, but she still is setting the mood. She is still part of the team and she, they will still interact with her to some degree. So she evaluate, learned that from somewhere. Right. Evaluate that you as the caregiver trust and like these people because that's what's going to get you the best care is building relationships and building trust with them. And so if there is something that gives you a red flag that that's not going to be an easy task for you, it doesn't even have to be, it could just be, you, you, you know, they just don't seem like your style of people. That's okay. If you, Any barrier, any barrier to building relationships and trust 
needs to be a huge consideration in whether or not you go there. 100%. Because you're leaving your loved one with them and nobody is going to care for your loved one or treat your loved one like you do, but you want the next best thing. Mm -hmm. Sure thing. This is it. We wrapped it up. Nice little insider scoop on how to pick a facility for your loved one. So the fish uh, tank. Yes. Check that fish tank. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll catch you all next time. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and ask that you subscribe to this podcast. If you find this podcast helpful, please leave a review so we can reach more women like you. You are not alone on your journey and the fire tribe is here to support you. Check us out at daughtersonfire.com and our Facebook group for more support and resources. Until next time, remember, you are the fire that fuels the engine of life.